Welcome back to our pulpit sermon series. This past week, we were asked to preach the funeral of Brother Charlie Outlaw, a great friend of our family, a great worker in my daddy's church there at Maryville Baptist Tabernacle, where we've served alongside Charlie uh, for the last uh, six or seven years. And Brother Charlie has been a wonderful uh, soul winner for the Lord. And uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And we were invited to come back and to preach his funeral. We will pick up in the service after the singing and after the eulogy for the message during Brother Charlie Outlaw's funeral. Uh, when I got the call about Brother Charlie, and uh, when Daddy called me and said that I need you to come and preach the funeral, my mind went straight to a verse in the Bible, or a few verses in the Bible that I want to uh, share with you while we're here, and uh, hopefully it'll be a help to this family. And uh, hopefully it may be a help to other people that are here tonight. But I'm looking at Jeremiah chapter number 31, verses 31 through 34. Now to get you caught up to where we're taught, where we're at in our scripture tonight, Jeremiah had a very simple message. And the book of Jeremiah is probably the one book in the Bible that most closely relates to where we are at today in our world. Jeremiah spent most of his life preaching the Word of God over or nearly 50 years, over 45 years, preaching the Word of God. And yet everyone that he was preaching to ended up in slavery to the Babylonians. They never heeded to the Word that he preached. They had killings, deaths, wars, turning their back on God, and Jeremiah preached through all of it. And in all this turmoil, God kept telling them, bad times are coming. And he used this great prophet of Jeremiah to tell them that. And his warning ended up becoming right. One day the Babylonians besieged Judah. They encamped around it. And for 30 months, nothing got in and nothing got out of Judah. They had no food. They had no water. Families started turning on one another. In order to gain food, they would eat anything that was moving. Dogs and, and rats. And they even turned on their own children for nourishment. Now, I know this sounds a little gruesome to us. But are we not doing the same thing in where we're living today? We have been besieged by Satan. We have been encamped around by, by all the evil of the world. Families have turned upon themselves and were devouring our own kids. For the sake of convenience, for the sake of finances, we're devouring. We're in the same place that they were in. But let me bring this down to why we're here tonight and why God laid this upon my heart. I do believe. Brother Charlie lived a wonderful life. As we just heard, he finished well. There's a lot of people who don't, but Brother Charlie finished well. And I'm sure we can all remember the Charlie. I knew Brother Charlie in the, in the later part of his life. I didn't know the Charlie on the front end. But the Charlie I knew in the later part of his life was he was a gun enthusiast. He loved the outdoors. He 
loved, loved, loved his family, chased his granddaughters all over the place and and, and gymnastics and dance and golf and basketball and cheerleading and anything they're involved in. Charlie was there and they were usually sitting beside each other probably talking about who knows what. I don't know what they would talk about. Probably about some golf match they were going to. I don't know what they... But, they, but he was so in love with his family and he chased them all over the place and he, and he worked up until the days that he just could not work anymore. He was a man full of life. But one day, he was besieged. One day, there was an evil that come around him. This evil we know of as cancer. And, and it came and it encamped around him. And for a little over two years, almost 30 months, things weren't getting in and out like they ought to. Things started shutting down on him. His body started fighting against each other. And all of a sudden now, we are seeing Brother Charlie live out what Jeremiah was talking about and what the, the, the first 30 books or, or chapters of Jeremiah, the, the, the body was fighting against itself. And it seemed like little hope. But all of a sudden, there's these four little verses that pops up right here in the middle of the book of Jeremiah. We see, and I want to read in this chapter number 31, verses 31, 32, and 33. I want to read these verses to you. And this is known in your Bibles as the book of consolation. Let me read this to you. It said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. I will write in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. The book of Consolation says, even though days are tough, even though you have been besieged by Babylon, even though the evil is besieging us now, even though Brother Charlie was besieged by this awful disease, I will remember you. There is a new covenant that God has made. Oh, things look bad. Things, things look awful dim right now. But God sends this little word of consolation and says, Don't worry, I haven't forgotten you. Oh, that brings a whole different light to what we're going through now. God has not forgotten us. God will not leave us. God will not forsake us. I noticed a few things in these, in these verses. I just want to bring it out. I just can't hardly read that and not talk about it. So if it's all right, I just want to talk about it just, just for a little bit. And you go ahead, feel free to say amen. If, if the Lord tells you to, you go on ahead. I think Brother Charlie would love it. I think he would. 
I notice a couple things here about number one, I notice there's an announcement that is made. I notice an announcement that is made. We see number one, the period of the announcement. The period of the announcement. God says that you're in hard times and Israel had fallen on hard times, but I'm thankful he says, behold the days come. Behold, a better day is coming. We're seeing hard times. We're seeing tough times, but God uses that word behold and in the words of Brother Tom Gillum, that word behold means looky, looky. Look here, I got something to show you. Turn your attention right up here. That's what God is saying to Israel. Turn your eyes upon me. I got something good I need to share with you. Things are looking mighty bad, but behold, the days are coming. Brother Charlie, it was pretty bad there for a while, but behold, brother, the day is coming when you will suffer no more. The day is coming when your body will not be riddled no more. The day is behold. Looky, looky. The day is coming. Oh, there's a day coming. That day came for Brother Charlie. Whenever he closed his eyes in death and took that last breath on this side and he walked in and seen the Father saying, well done. Behold, the day comes. Behold, there's a day coming. Satan is having his season for a moment. But behold, the day comes. I like the old song. And it's awfully hard to get from preaching gear to singing gear. But bear with me for a moment. And please help me if you would. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eyes. All is peace forevermore. On that happy golden shore. One day, the glorious day that will be. Oh, behold, that day is coming. I wish now, just for a moment, that I could take the hurt and the pain from this family away. I I wish I could take the hurt and the pain of some of the members of my church away and just bear it for a moment for them. But I can't. But what I can tell you is a little consolation that behold, the day comes. Behold, the day comes. I don't only see the period of the announcement, but I see the person. Oh, it gets even better, folks. These verses just build and build all the way to the final words of verse number 34. He says, Behold, the day comes. Now, it's one thing for me to stand here as just an ordinary man with just an ordinary voice and ordinary words to tell you that there's a day coming. But I want you to look at who said there's a day coming. It says, Behold, the days come saith the Lord. And this is the same Lord that looked at Moses and said, you say that I am has sent you. It is the same God that stood with Joshua at Gilgal and said, I am your God. It is the same God that stood on Mount Carmel with Elijah and said, I am the God. This is the God that tells us in Hebrews chapter
chapter number 6 and verse number 12. It says in two immutable things that God cannot lie. He is not a man and He cannot lie. If God says it will happen, it will happen. There are days coming. The days are coming. Brother Charlie has seen that day. There's a day coming in which we won't have to worry about this anymore. But then I see the people of the announcement. The people of the announcement. That's you and me. We're here in the Bible. And you say, oh, preacher, that's Old Testament. That's talking to the Jews. Oh, but you got to put it all together. You see, we've been grafted in where some of the branches were locked off because they didn't adhere. There's been no branches grafted in as Paul talked. That's you and me. And so this covenant uh, which was made uh, for the Jews and for Israel, you and I are part of it. And we have now been grafted in. We are part of the northern and the southern tribe. We are part of the city folk and the country folk. We are part of the learned and the unlearned. We are now part of God's family and we have days that are coming. We have a better day that is coming in our lives. Not only do I see the announcement, but I see there had to be an adjustment. These verses tell us there had to be an adjustment that was made. And I cannot preach all this tonight. I sure would love to. But I noticed a few things. Number one, I noticed that there was a superannuated promise. You say, what does that mean? That's a fancy word for old. There was an old promise that was made uh, by Moses to the Ten Commandments. But we could not keep those commandments. Uh, We took those and perverted them. And the Pharisees expanded them to over 600 laws trying to perfect what God had already perfected and we turned it into something evil. But God said, even though uh, that you have perverted what I once gave you, I'm going to give you something that's even more perfect. Something that you cannot pervert, which is the blood of my dear Son, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. So now, not only do we see a superannuated promise, and then we see the sinful people that turn that promise upside down, but then we see a satisfaction plan. God gave us a satisfied plan. The reason why we can rejoice at death with Brother Charlie is because there was a satisfied plan uh, that was made for you and me. And this will not be, be the last time that I get to see Brother Charlie. When they close that casket down tonight and I walk out the door and get in my car, I know that that's not the last time I see him because there's a plan that has been satisfied by the blood of Jesus Christ and He made the law perfect. Not the Pharisees. Not the Pharisees. But He made the law perfect. I want to look just for a moment, if you would. There's two time stamps in in these verses. I just want to look here just for a moment because I I want to give you some hope too. I'm not just preaching the hope that Brother Charlie has. There's some hope for you and me in here. In verse number 31, right at the beginning of our verses, it says here in verse 1, Behold, the days come. There's the first time stamp. And then we go on down and he talks about a few things. And then he comes down in verse number 33 and he says, but this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel 
after those days, there's a second time stamp. And let me give you some uh, something to talk or think about when the Bible puts a time stamp on it. You may want to find out why it's there. He's got two time stamps here because here's what I believe happens in the first time stamp that he puts on there. He says, Behold, the day's coming. Israel, I know you have turned your back on me and I know that you have been kicked out. But behold, there's a day coming when I will send my son and he will die upon an old rugged cross on Golgotha's hill and he will pay the debt for your sin. Behold, there's a day coming. But then he goes on down in verse number 33 and then he says, after those days. What do you mean by after those days? That sounds pretty good that somebody is going to pay my sin debt. But then he says, after those days. What he is saying, and I firmly believe this, is saying, after those days of my son dying on the cross, that sometime into the future, after those days, we will come back again and we will take those home with us. I firmly believe, and this is an Old Testament a picture of the rapture of the church uh, that is discussed in 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 6 and verse 16 and verse number 17 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise after those days of the dead in Christ is going to come up out of the grave what a grave awakening that is going to be but then here's you and I. If this was to happen tonight, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be after those days. Oh, after those days, it's only getting better. It's only getting better for you. And you say, preacher, I don't know that I can get along with a lot of that stuff. You're talking about some things here that I don't altogether believe in. That's all right. I believe it enough for the both of us. I believe it all for you if you want me to. Because one day, he's coming back. And I believe this Bible, as Brother Charlie and I discussed on many occasions, from the cover until the cover, I believe it so much, I believe the concordance and the maps in the back of it. Amen. That's what I believe. Oh, we see. Oh, we see the announcement. We see the adjustment. But I told you, it gets better and better. We're just going to get better from here. And then he says, and this is my favorite part, down at the last part of it, the Lord says, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. It's one thing for him to forget it, but it's one thing for him to forgive it. It's a whole other thing for him to forget it. That's a pretty big God. He says, I'll forgive you of your sin and I'll go a step further. I'll even forget it for you. Now we know that in the Old Testament it tells us that God will take our sin and he'll put it behind his back. And it says in the Old Testament that God will take our sin and he'll put it down under his foot. And the Old Testament says that God will take our sin and he'll put it into the deepest part of the sea. And I rejoice in all those things. But I'm so glad that I was saved under the New Testament covenant when he said I will remember your sins no more. My sins, they're gone. 
They're not in the sea. They're not behind his back. They're not under his foot. They're gone. Watch away by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been forgiven. Amen. The New Testament covenant which God has made for us. So here's what I want to ask you tonight in closing. I really don't want to, but I think I better close right here where we're at. Here's what I want to ask you tonight. In just three chapters before our text verse tonight, Jeremiah was sent to a man named Hananiah. He was a wicked man, a man living out from under God's will. And Jeremiah had the, had the, I guess, uh, had the, uh, had the, uh, the command uh, to go unto Hananiah and deliver this message unto him. He said, because you have cursed against God and because you have been a man against God, Jeremiah told Hananiah, he said, thus saith the Lord, this year he shall take you from this earth. This is your year to die. So here would be my question for you tonight. Uh, before we move on any farther, before we depart this place and get in our cars and head home, what if this was your year to die? What if this was your year to lay right here? What if this was your year? Are you part of the New Testament covenant? Are you part of the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you been grafted into the family? Do you rejoice in the days that are to come for you? Or are you going to be cast into outer darkness, into the pits of hell? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Where do you fall in that covenant? on which side what if this was your day we know brother Charlie he's rejoicing now those days have come for him but what if it was your day oh heaven help our soul heaven help our soul to know that the days are coming 